At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Thanks for tuning into our series, The Follower's Trail Guide, Navigating the Path of Jesus, where we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? As we walk through Jesus' farewell discourse to His followers in the book of John, we'll learn to follow in the steps of Christ as He marks out the way of discipleship for us. share before I jump in the message. We have two things we are going to celebrate. The first is that this is our ninth year in this building. Yes, we've been in here nine years and uh, that was brought to my attention and I know uh, the church has been a church for over 12 years but we've been in here for nine years and that's something to celebrate. Also, uh, Woodside, as many of you know, is built up of many communities, many churches, and, and some of our churches are mobile, and one of our churches, the Detroit campus, they've been setting up and tearing down almost every week for well over five years, and they've been at the old Masonic Temple building in downtown Detroit. Well, they have found a building, and we're going to celebrate that, yes. Yes, but how it works is in order to purchase a property, uh, we have to take a vote between all our campuses, and so for the next couple weeks, we'll be doing that. We have signs posted on our doors uh, sharing about that uh, purchase, and then if you have any questions, just come and find one of our elders here. Come and find me, and we'll talk to you about that, but that is a, a giant celebration for our Detroit campus and and hey our hope here at Chesterfield is we're down the road that we will be purchasing a building so that is something that we can be praying for as well and celebrating in advance so uh, again for the next couple weeks we'll be taking those taking those ballots so real quick jumping in I need to share a story a lot of you know that I was gone last week and I was performing a wedding in the great land of Louisville, okay? And I was able to perform a wedding for one of my sweet friends, and she's a dentist, a doctor, and so everything was meticulous down to the T, and my buddy Andy Wisman was able to bring the word last week. Was that amazing or was that amazing? Yes. And uh, so I'm glad to be back with you. I missed you guys. And so when I went down there, you know, seen some of my friends, and my wife had set up to have a little play date with some of her friends who have small children. And I was really more on kid duty. And so I went to this home, and my kids ran in, and they're playing around. And, and I kid you not, when I walked in the door, I, I was kind of thrown back because it looked like my friend's wife had robbed the Hobby Lobby fall decor section. I mean, I was like, whoa. Like, everything had fall. You had the throw pillows and the signs and the little pumpkins in the middle at the table. And then, and then they had, everything was fall. And I was like, man, this is extra, all right? She's probably watching online. I love you. And so I was like, this, this is throwing me back. She even had on her cork board those 50% off Hobby Lobby gift cards that they send you. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to the basement. I'm going to go hang out in the man cave. There was literally a sign when you're going down that said man cave. And so I'm like, I'm going to go hang out with the kids. They can hang out upstairs. And then I got to the basement. <laughs> and when I got to the basement, I was thrown back again 
because there was Boston Red Sox everywhere. Everywhere. If you know the Boston Red Sox, they're a baseball team. And he had uh, posters and signed cards and bats and helmets and blankets. And I'm like, man, this is extra. <laughs> so then I was like, you know, I need to use the facility. So I went to the restroom. And he even had shower curtains. And towels and toilet paper. No, I'm joking about that. He had Ohio State toilet paper. But, um, <laughs> but the gist is this. <laughs> they left no room for air for me to know what they were interested in. I knew immediately this person loves fall decor. This person loves Hobby Lobby. And then this guy loves Boston baseball. There was no question. And so I think about us, and, and I look around, and I could see from some of the clothing you're wearing, the shoes, the cars you're driving in, I could see some things you're interested in. I see uh, Michigan State. I think they lost to Lance Cruz last night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm evil. This is supposed to be a sacred stage, and I've I've messed that up. But the thing is, I could see some things we're we're interested in. Some of you, you're rocking tattoos. I see you like tattoos. Some of you got a couple piercings. I see you like piercings, right? Some of us, we're driving our cars, and I know some of my buddies here, you like your cars. I think about my friend uh, Vince Messina. If you spend any time with him, more than two minutes, you know he likes the Corvettes, right? He loves Corvettes. And, and so I think about that, and I think about how quick we can learn what someone or, or, or what specific things they're interested in. This is the same with our relationship with Christ. People should be able to know rather quickly that we are a follower of Jesus. It shouldn't be something where we have this friendship and then down the road we say, oh yeah, I go to church or yeah. And then they're like, what? Like you? Like, wait, you, you're a Christian? Wait, are you joking with me? You go to church? It, it should never be a surprise. It should be something that happens quickly because they see the passion, the interest. You know, maybe even a, a Jesus t-shirt or necklace, right? Like, we say those things or a little fish sticker on your car. But, but it, even that is so much more than that. And, and so, with this series, and we started last week and we're going into week two of this, uh, we're going to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus. But today's a little different because last week we talked uh, through the Passover meal. We're going to continue the story of that meal as, as we dig into John chapter 13. But I want to focus specifically on two people. I want to focus on Peter. And I want to focus on Judas. Because both of them had something very distinct happen at this Passover meal. And, and I know some of us might be like, well, well, how can I relate to Judas? It's much more easy to relate to Peter. But I believe that we can relate 
to both of them. And if we search our heart, maybe there's something the Holy Spirit is trying to, to well up to help show us, reveal to us that, that we can process with today. Because despite all the time that these two men spent with Jesus, despite seeing miracles after miracles, despite all those conversations that aren't written in the word that happened. You know, scripture tells us this this is not it. There was more. These are just the things that God wanted and inspired the revelation to be written in the word. So there was so much more. But despite all of that, both of them still failed. Both of them still denied Christ. They still struggled to follow Jesus. And, and if these men struggled to follow Jesus after three years with him, how much more will we? How much more will you or I struggle to follow Christ? So the, the first thing I want to talk about is all about Judas. I, I just want to focus in on him for a moment. And, and really, I want us to learn that the self-interested follow Satan. The self-interested follow Satan. So I'm going to put up a lot of scripture here in John chapter 13. We're going to start at verse 21, and we're going to read all the way to verse 30. So I want to encourage you, since we have a lot of scripture, I want you to open your Bibles. I encourage this every week anyways, um, but dig in your word, or you can watch up here. We're going to post all of it, but we're going to talk through these nine verses. This is what it says, starting in verse 21. Of chapter 13. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table by Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So the disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him, and Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. So, okay, I want you to get this picture. So last week we talked about this incredible act of service. We had this act where, where Jesus literally washed the feet of the disciples. And you got to remember, like, our feet are different than the disciples' feet. Our shoes, our hygiene, socks, all that. These are sandals. They're walking all day. And he 
physically wash their feet. And it was an example to them to be a servant to the world. So this is all building up. And then it, it goes into this next section of scripture. And it, and it says that Jesus was deeply troubled. And, and I know with scripture it's hard sometimes for us to say, like, okay, he was deeply troubled. No, I want you to think of something recently that, that you heard and it just deeply troubled you. And I think of some of the, the, the school shootings I think about Ukraine. I think about the division with that we are facing with these choices with 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 pro choice. <laughs> I think about um, where we are division wise with Republican Democrat. I think where we are uh, as a nation economically. You know these things all sometimes when I when I watch the news or if any of us read one of those physical papers anymore. When I read some of this stuff or I watch some of this, I won't lie, it, it troubles me. Sometimes I'm just stuck in that moment. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I know I preach from this stage, and, but, but if I'm real, there are moments where I need, to, I need to catch myself and say, okay, no, God is in control. But in those moments, I could be troubled. Jesus was deeply troubled. And so in this moment where he's deeply troubled, why is he deeply troubled? Because he knows what Judas is about to do. Then we see that he, he even tells his disciples, what are you going to, you're going to betray me. And you got the one whom Jesus loved, which was John. And he was sitting there leaning on Jesus. And even Peter knew that was the one whom Jesus loved. And he, hey, talk to him. Who is it? And he talks about the one I'm going to dip this bread in the morsel with. And then gives it to Judas. And, and right here, Judas, he, he's caught red-handed. And, and I hear this. And, and I read this. And even in my heart, knowing what Judas is going to do, I'm still cheering for him. Don't do it. You don't have to do it. You can repent. Jesus is telling you what you are about to do. It's like watching that movie that you've seen ten times and it still hurts you. You don't need to follow through with this. Jesus, with his grace, still gave him a chance. Has anyone been backstabbed before? <laughs> At two birthdays? <laughs> when you're backstabbed, it hurts so much because you didn't see it coming. That's the big gist to it. It's like, what? You did that to me? This person did that to me? That's why it hurts. Jesus, he knew it was coming. He knew what was about to happen. It wasn't a backstabbing because he saw it. He still was troubled and he still gave him a chance. Talk about ultimate grace. He said, do what you want. 
And there's some distinction here, which is interesting, because um, the distinction that when he finally decided to give in to his desire completely, there is an entering of Satan. There's an entering of Satan taking over him. You know, in selfishness, Judas was willing to take Jesus' bread, but he wasn't willing to confess his sin, turn from his sin, and follow. There's a quote, secret sin on earth is an open scandal in heaven. So it makes me think, what about you? What about me? What is the areas of our life where we're battling with that selfish, self-interested intention? You know, uh, kids are funny. <laughs> they're really funny. And, and sometimes they don't think they're caught, but they are caught. My mom's been hanging out all week with me because my wife is down south taking care of our foster daughter. She had her second baby, by the way, which is awesome. And, um, and, and so I've been at home, and, and my mom came over to help during the day with Charlie. And so we were just sharing stories, and she shared this hilarious story. when I, We were all kids, and I had three sisters. And she said one time uh, in, in my sister, my oldest sister's closet, her name was Tiffany, she wrote Tiffany and Crayon on the wall. So it was her closet, wrote in Crayon Tiffany. And so my mom saw it, and she lined up all the kids, and we're all standing there. I'm probably, I think, one at the time. And then my other sister's about two and a half, my other sister's four, and then my oldest sister, she's probably five or six. We're all standing there, and she, she put us by the wall, and she said, hey, um, you know, does any one of you want to admit something? She started with Tiffany, no, not me, <laughs> not, not me. Then back to my sister Kendall, no, no. Then me, I was like probably gaga googie, you know, whatever. <laughs> My sister was the only one who could write. <laughs> and so here she has, she knows. And that's how it is with God and us. You know, secret sin on earth is an open scandal in heaven, right? But God knows. You might be able to hide it from me. Or from your spouse or your friends. But you can't hide it from God. Let's not fool ourselves. Let's not live in denial. Let's not live like Judas. Let's live in the path of Christ. Otherwise, we're living in the path of Judas. There's another person to the story. We talk about Judas and how. Because he was self-interested, because he had his own um, merit or own desire or agenda, he wanted to, to make money, and, and that fleshly desire led him away from God. But there's another person in the story. It's the guy by the name of Peter, and Peter's interesting because his self-confidence made him follow his flesh. Like he was on the other side way too overly proud, overly confident, and, and it led him to follow his flesh. Let's dig into verse 38 through 38. So we're going to skip ahead, do something a little different today, and we're going to read verses 38, uh, 36 through 38 of chapter 13. This is what it says. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, 
going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow after me. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So I know we skipped ahead a little bit. And so how this is going is, is Jesus announces, hey, I'm, I'm going away. And, and where I'm going, you can't follow right now. And so Peter, in this moment, was not taking Jesus' answer for what it was. He wanted to know, where are you going? Hey, you can't go now. You'll be there later. Trust me. And so he continued to assert himself. Say, hey, if you're leaving, I'm going too. I will die for you. And of course, Jesus responds with a question. Really? <laughs> really, you're going to come after me? Really, you're, you're, you think you're going to even go to your death for me? And then we see the second denial where he says, no, you're, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And so you think about this, where, where Judas is self-interested and has his own agenda. And you got Peter, who's like overzealous and passionate. But yet in this moment, there's a, still a great tragedy because he has more trust in himself and his own abilities, his own strengths, than he does in Christ. I love how D.A. Carson says it. He's a, a New Testament scholar. He says this about Peter. Tragically, the boast that he would never deny his Lord, even to the point of death, displays not only gross ignorance of human weakness, but a certain proud independence that is the seed of the denial itself. You know, he was in the flesh because of his self-confidence. I love this area. Right? I've been in this area about six months. I love this area, and this is one of the biggest reasons why. We're hard workers. We're, we're go-getters. We're blue-collar. We're not afraid to get our hands dirty. It's a great quality. We own things that we mess up on. We don't just take handouts. It's a great area. But even with great qualities of hard work and, and responsibility and not taking the victim mentality, these things can create a kind of individualism and arrogance that can also create, create self-confidence. So the very strength this area has could also be the very Achilles heel. Because then we go too far... And we're proud. And now we have strayed from the design that God has given us, which is to rely on God for our strengths. Because we're broken people. <laughs> and that can-do attitude, which is great, hard-nosed, commendable, can also make a very prideful person. And so we, as a church, we got to be careful in this area. And that's exactly what Jesus is exposing 
for us on the outside, it's, wow, he's overpassionate, he's on fire, he's going to go to the grave, he's leading the charge. But Jesus saw past that, and he saw his heart. So sometimes we just got to leave the ego at the door. Check it at the door. Like the old cliche, we got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Or if you're a King James person, you have to check thou self. Let's put up that picture. I found that this week, if we have it. Check thou self, unless thou wreck thou self. I was like, where did we find that? It's around here somewhere. Okay, if it pops up in a minute, that'll be great. Third thing that um, we see here is that the God-centered, they follow Jesus. The God-centered follow Jesus. Look at verse 31 through verse 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified? And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So, okay, we're backing up on the story a little bit. And that's because we're going into the heart of the text. You see, in this, it's before Peter made his confidence statement, but it's after Judas left to betray Jesus. So right smack in the middle of this piece of scripture, Jesus drops this bomb. And he says, hey, it is my time to be glorified. This is my moment where the Son of Man will be lifted up. Now, Son of Man, that was Jesus's probably favorite statement about himself. Over 75 times he called himself in the New Testament the Son of Man. And if you know this word, Son of Man, it goes all the way back in the Old Testament to a guy by the name of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 7, he talks about this Son of Man and how he will be lifted up and, and he will be honored. And so it's, it's almost describing the, the coronation ceremony that we see in, in Daniel chapter 7 where it talks about and describes this vision of the one in the ancient of days and he'll be given dominion and glory forever and a kingdom. So he's saying, hey, I'm going to be lifted up and, and my kingdom, my everlasting kingdom, you know, that I will receive that in heaven. And so when Jesus says, you know, the Son of Man, he's saying, hey, that's me. It's, it's insane to me. It's still puzzling. And definitely this week as I was digging into the text, 
that the path of glorification had to first include the cross. See, this is the area where the disciples, they just got hung up on. They thought in order to be glorified, just do it. (laughs) Okay, time to be glorified, you're lifted up. They didn't understand that in order to first be glorified, he must be humbled to the place of death. You know, even it shows in the response. No, Christ crucified? <laughs> but, but Jesus again was saying he had to come to earth and die for his kingdom. You know, recently I was playing golf <laughs> with my kids. And I had one of those little rubber golf balls that I could hit and not break a window. And yes, I have broken a window before with a golf ball. And so I was just hitting in my backyard, and, and don't do this, but I was hitting against my house. <laughs> so I was hitting this little fake golf ball, and I was hitting it, and, you know, go up, hit the wall, come back. And the kids were like, ooh, wow, that's awesome, Dad. And then when they're watching it, they say, can I try? <laughs> sure, you know, why not? So Milo went up like a hockey stick. And, and so I was like, hey, Milo, this is how you do it. He's like, no, 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 let me do it the way I want. I'm like, oh, okay, you try what you want. And then Hannah, she was more like this, not like that. And so I said, no, you got to go up like this, bend your knees, because they were like this the whole time. And so when they first tried to hit it, you know, they missed. And then Milo kept doing this and hacking and then went into a bush. But nothing happened. And so, like a great father... I went to them, whether they received it or not, (laughs) and and I told them, in order to get good, (laughs) you got to go through being bad. (laughs) You know, in order (laughs) to experience the glory of excellence, you you also have to experience the humility of, of practice. That's the same with Jesus. He had to lower himself to that place of humility on the cross, to then be lifted up and honored. And us as humans, we we don't want that. We want immediate glory. Everyone wants the glory now. We don't want the work in between, and we sure don't want the cross. (laughs) But Jesus was centered on God. And he was centered on God's plan and God's purpose for his life. And and the disciples are discouraging him. Satan is trying to distract him. But Jesus is dead set on what God had for him through the cross. And so in the middle of Judas leaving and before Peter, you know, gets self-confident and denies him and, and it gets foreknown or predicted that he will deny him, Jesus says, the world will know you by the love that you care for one another. This is a new commandment I give you. If I had another hour, I'll talk about what that meant in greater detail. But a new commandment I give you to love one another because this is the distinguishing mark 
of a disciple is love. That's how the world knows that we are Christ followers. And that is the center of this entire message. The world knows who we are by how we love one another. So let me go back to that first question. How can you tell that someone is a follower of Jesus? How can you tell? Let's not bite and devour one another. It's not us against them, whatever church it is down the road. It's us and them for the kingdom. But we, as our community, let's choose to love one another. And let that be a lighthouse, a distinguishing mark to the world. They love. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.